Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg isn't here. Todd isn't here. I am John Dam Johnston, the site manager for Corn Nation, founder and guy that tries to act like he's in charge of shit. Joining me is Nate McHugh, some guy. <laughs> yep, some guy. That's right. <laughs> How you doing, Nate? Uh, good. I just got back from a eight and under baseball practice and uh, my kids are running around outside. And so now I get to talk to you. My wife's super enthused about that, by the way. So is she? Yes, she is. Absolutely. Oh my <laughs> God. So we, are you coaching baseball? Yeah. I, uh, so here they do two years of T-ball and all they do is you hit it and you run to first. The next person hits it, then you run to the next base. And then you do three years of coach pitch. And this is my son's second year. I mean, technically it should be his third, but with COVID, they didn't have a season at all. And so he is, and they, so we have three teams from the area and they group it by age. So he's on the oldest team. And so um, I'm one of, uh, five coaches so it's uh with my experience in coaching youth basketball it's really nice to have help i would say i mean a lot of help so i'm not the head coach and so it's more fun for me so do you find parents interject themselves a lot in baseball like you've got uh, that, that one dad that's like uh, he knows what are you, you know playing what? for that kind of thing i think that we have a good group of parents actually. And I don't, and I truthfully, I think that, um, cause I've heard so, probably some of the other groups of parents are, are not quite so, um, I don't know. I, and uh, I would say, you know, as cooperative, the, the worst thing we have is we currently have a, a mom who tells every kid to hit it out of the park. And we're just like, no, just make contact. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're striking out every time. Don't try to hit it out of the park. And so that's how we – but other than that, it's totally fine. You know, I coached soccer for a decade, and it was one of the most rewarding things I ever did. I, I got very little pushback from parents. Uh, I think probably it was more frustrating dealing with some of the coaches that I had to deal with. This is rec league. This was little kid soccer. You know, I never did competitive because that was a really big time commitment that I didn't have. And my, and honestly, by the time my kids were ready to play competitive soccer, they were like, uh, you're not going to be the coach dad. So that's okay. Uh, you know, it is, it, it's fine. You know, I enjoyed coaching them. I, uh, you know, coached uh, my two sons and my daughter and it, it was really, I learned a lot about me and I learned how to sometimes actually learn how to keep my mouth shut in certain situations when you should <laughs> you, know, you know i so I, I coach high school basketball i've coached my sons i've coached t-ball coached my son's basketball and now baseball but my daughter is she's now doing t-ball and i'm not coaching and they both do soccer and i don't coach i love sitting and just watching them play and uh this last season in soccer, the opposing team had a coach who I thought was the most entertaining part of the game. And because he literally said everything 
that I think when I'm coaching, you know, and he had zero filter and <laughs> it was hilarious and I loved it, but and he wasn't mean or anything. I mean, he was some, maybe somebody would think he's mean, but I, I don't think he was, he's just coaching, but he's just like, you know, the kids would kick it to the opposing player and he'd just throw his arms up and walk away. And like, you know, <laughs> and, and so I, I thought it was hilarious, but no. Well, I learned in soccer, you don't yell instructions on the field because the sport, you know, it's not like other sports where there's a timeout. You know, if you're yelling at them and they're trying to think about what you're telling them at the same time, trying to recognize what's going on in the field, uh, they're not learning. So I I never, you know, if you're going to coach soccer, you coach when you're on the sideline and you got to, you know, breaks or you coach in practice. But when you put them on the field, the only time you're telling them something to do is, uh, you know, during a dead ball or something like that. But that's that anyway. Uh, wait, I was going to tell you what I've been doing the last like two, three nights. Okay. Well, oh, what is it? <laughs> what the last that you've been doing the past two or three nights? Yeah. I have been trying to figure out how much force it takes to put a dent in a human skull. Okay, and why is that? Because I have a dent in my head. All right. I woke up from my coma and I had a dent in my head. It's right here. It goes all the way across the top of my head. And it is a pronounced dent in my head. When I wrote my memoir, the Been Dead, Never Been to Europe book, my developmental editor told me, you have to remove all the references to the dent in your head out of this book. Because it why? Will distract, because it would distract from the main story. She said, you can do something else with these, but you have to remove all of this. And I was like, that, okay, you know what? She's the editor and she was right. So I did. So now I'm writing a small book that I'm going to just give away. It was like a reader magnet. So people sign up for a mailing list and it's, it's called the mystery of the dent in my head. But I am, I am trying to figure, I, I have a big dent in my head. Do you know how much force it required to put it down in your head? Uh, probably not much, I wouldn't think. Maybe. Not much? What do you want? Then everybody would be walking around with dance in their head. Oh, I mean, like, well, that's relative, right? You know, um, I would assume if you had a hammer, you wouldn't have to swing that hard. I mean, I don't know. Like my, my son just got a concussion two weeks ago. Ooh. Uh, during the T-ball game, which is actually it's kind of ironic that they were during it's during my daughter's game. They uh, I looked over and he was playing on the roof of a shed with his with his friends. And I walked over and I said, "Get down! I don't want you to get hurt." And he listened. And then they went and played tag in the an old uh, batting cage, and he tripped on a net and slammed his head on the concrete. Oh. So I would have let him stay up on the roof. He probably never would have got a concussion. So I, See that? I, would, I would suspect it would take more force than that to put a dent in someone's head. Well, well to – to crush a human skull would take 520 pounds of force. Well, you say crush, but. Yeah, but the, you can't find dip. how to, 
I cannot find with all the human knowledge and hit your fingertips on the internet. I can't find how much force it would take to dent somebody's head. So the problem is there's like movies and everything where some super villain crushes some guy's head. And then everybody thinks that that's real life. And the honest to God truth is nobody could ever crush a guy's head in your hands. Oh, yeah. Right. Your skull yeah. is, your skull is really strong for a reason. You know, it protects your life. But 520 pounds of pressure uh, to crush a human skull. Do you do you know what else exerts 520 pounds of pressure? I don't. Now, neither do I. That's what I got to figure out now. Oh. So I can come up with some comparisons. We should move on. But that's what I've been doing, trying to figure out. You know, you, when you're writing this other stuff, you come up with all sorts of weird shit, like how to kill people and get away with it. We'll just move on. Anyway, um, you are coaching baseball. And I think last week I saw a TikTok video where a, a, an official threw a dad out of a game uh, because he was arguing balls and strikes at a little league game. And I, you know, I saw that and I thought, uh, I, I don't want to say this is who we are because this is who we've always been, but I, I've told the story about my daughter doing refereeing and how grown men would scream at her. But have you seen anything like that in person? I mean, have you experienced in anything like that when it becomes to officials? Um, <laughs> I have to be careful. Uh, we, my, the school I coach for, high school, had the administration has had to email the parents because how because we, we, we think that we're getting and it's almost for sure you know 50 50 calls aren't going our way and it's probably because of our parents are part, are part of that you know and that you know and it, i just remember there was a game last year the very beginning of the game, the parents complained about something. And it might have been a good reason. I don't remember. But the official turned around, said something to the parents, and didn't give us a call the rest of the game. And oh my God, really? Yes. And there were and there was a little bit a little bit of an altercation after the game. I wasn't around it, but um so I've seen that. Uh I actually did some officiating myself. Uh once was in college. I did intramurals when I was a freshman. And the starting quarterback, uh, I called a technical on him. And, and he uh, said, all right, I'll, I'll meet you outside after this game. And this is a guy who has uh, smashed people's windows with a ba baseball bat because he has a temper, you know. And so that's one. But I did some officiating of a – junior varsity girls high school basketball game and the guy met me outside and uh so really yeah and he and did he, he did he want to buy you a beer or invite you for tea and crumpets yeah yeah he, he want we, he wanted us to uh i don't know if he just wanted to say something i don't know what it was but he said something during the, he got kicked out and um anyways i just think it's I mean, I don't know if you want to say anything else about it, but like, I think it's really bad where things are getting um, because the officiating isn't getting better. And there's a lot of reasons why 
because uh, probably said by it's probably said best by is a he's a head coach or was the head coach in South Carolina. And I'm blanking on his name. Uh, he was asked about officiating in the little league. He's one of those coaches that the press will ask him questions that have nothing to do with the sport, right? You know, or nothing to do with his team, kind of like Mike Leach. And they asked uh, this guy, I feel bad, I can't think of his name, about youth officiating. And he's, he starts out and he says, when I watch my son play basketball, he goes, I don't say boo, you know. And he's also talking about the coaching. Then he, then he goes on to say, he said, how much do you think a 16-year-old kid or maybe a 30-year-old guy or a 40-year-old guy or girl or woman is making on a Sunday morning at a youth basketball game, how much do you think? And if you think that they're bad, it is very likely that they're that it is some of the best that was available at that time. Yeah. And so there are times when, yeah, you, you should argue a call, maybe yell at. I mean, I when I coach, I I I've been coaching for eight years, and I don't complain to the refs at all. I'll talk to them. I say, you know. Hey, can you look at this? Look at this. Only twice have I ever yelled at an official, and it was the and it was the same official two years in a row at a JV tournament. It's the same guy, and uh, and so and that was me coaching. And so, you know, I know they're trying their best, and so that's why you just try to help them and say, "Hey, can you look at this hand check? Look at uh, you know he's sliding under him or whatever it is." And then you move on, you know. But you, as a coach, you have to fight for your players too. Um, but when it comes to the parents, I'm gonna say, do you think you're helping? That's what that, that's kind of my view is. Do you think you screaming like? And like I said, there's times that you can complain, like like no, he's he was fouled. But when it's constant, do you think you're actually helping your kids out? Because in my experience, that has not happened at all, and. Uh, so then you have, and it's happening at the high school level right now in Nebraska. A lot of officials are quitting and a lot of them are, and it seems like it's always, it's the good guys that are quitting because they're the ones that are doing it for fun. Like, cause they probably got, a, they probably got a, a, they obviously have a job, uh, a profession of some type that allows them to do this on a Tuesday night, Monday, Friday, Saturday, or whatever. And they're doing it because you get a little extra cash, but also I think they enjoy it, you know. And uh, uh, you're losing a lot of those guys. You know, I know of some that um, officiate at uh, Division One levels, and they uh, they come down, they still do a little high school because they think it's fun, and they're like, this isn't worth it anymore because they're not getting paid enough. And and so then they're just like, I'm just going to do. I know one. He's like. I'm just going to do the division one. I get paid a lot more and I don't get berated like I do at a high school basketball game. And then that is even, then it goes back to, we were talking about youth sports, right? Where these kids are making, I mean, a lot of them are like, what, 20 bucks a game. I mean, right. I mean, and guess what? It's particularly these kids. They're probably terrified. You know, they're, um, I had a baseball game this year and we had a high school kid. He's a soft, going to be a sophomore. 
and he was he was our uh, the base umpire, and I and I coached him in high school, and uh, I go up to him and say, whether you're right or wrong, be like if you're safe, do you know like make sure look confident no matter what, because when you have people that are kind of like, you know, and they or they don't really say, that's when people get pissed off. Yeah, in my experience, and. Plus, um, there's there's people like me there that are waiting for somebody to show weakness, so we can jump on them oh, and destroy 100%. their psyche. Our first week of baseball, we had probably the best umpire. I, I'm like, we need to have more of these guys. He's been doing it for 30 years, and he was very like safe and he was very direct. You go home, and it was very like, and no one says a word because that they know that he's he, he's not going to care what you think, you know. But, you know, but it comes down to basketball because I think kind of what brought that up with this whole topic is John Higgins, if, uh, who is one of the top college basketball officials in the country, is in Omaha. And he was at an AAU basketball game. And uh, his son, who's 15, officiated that game. And the other official, I guess, um, uh, didn't show up or whatever. So John said – Okay, I guess I got my whistle. And so John Higgins is who, like I said, is one of the top college basketball officials, is now officiating a, a high school freshman AAU basketball game. And I and he said how he was treated was one of the worst things he's ever seen. He says, I referee D1 college basketball. I haven't heard anything like that. And this is an AAU game. And I guess the, the the coach on the other team, it was his son was the worst of them all, I guess. And so he walked up to him and said, you fucking suck and flipped him off. That was in the article, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. I think it's just, I don't, the behavior stuff. Let me ask you this. You can, you coach for a high school, right? Have you had to have any games canceled because there weren't officials? No. Okay. Because no. I've heard of that more and more all over the nation. I, and it, it's, it's funny. You know, last year at the Gopher game uh, that I got in trouble for that video after the game, uh, that Gopher game, I went up and talked to some Big Ten officials before the game started. You know, they were just – they were out there like I was. Um, and I walked up and I wanted to ask them about the, you know, officiating and if they thought that high school, the lack of the fact that so many high school refs are quitting is going to hurt them in like 10 years. And they were, they were kind of like, no, but then one of them goes, man, those high school guys, they get treated like crap, yeah. which is funny because when you're down on the field next to these refs in front of a, you know, 40, 50,000 or 80,000, 90,000 at Nebraska, <laughs> You hear the worst things possible yelled at those guys. And, and for him to say, boy, the high school people get those high school officials get treated like crap. It's like, oh my God, I guess if they're worse than that, then uh, yeah, they're, it's pretty bad. I think they need to double their, their pay. I mean, I think they, if, cause sometimes they'll do the girls and the boys. It's the same officials sometimes. And I think they make 65 a night or something like that. I'm not for sure. Um, and, and 
where I coach, we actually have, we actually get really good officials and our fans don't seem to understand that. But uh, like one of the officials who want, he's one of the best, he's a PAC 12 football official and he's done the orange bowl and he's done, I mean, so coming to a little school like ours, he's, he's not going to be phased by anything. Right. And, um, but at some point he's like, Hey, this ain't, this isn't worth it. Right. And then you're going right. to lose him. Yeah. And the thing is when they said, they don't think that the officiating is going to be affected at the one level. I'm like, it has to be because you got to right. start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, know, you have to you, grow up doing it. Yeah. And you, you don't and just you, walk on the field and start calling penalties or not calling penalties or know what yeah. you're doing. And each one of the officials in a, you know, in a football team or a football game has a specific job to do. And they have to learn that job just like anybody else. It's like being a welder. You know, the first weld you ever made was shit compared to probably mm-hmm. the, anything you're doing now. So I, I don't know. It's uh, what do you think the solution is? I think you pay them more because, uh, and then you're going to get better candidates and then so you got to put the onus on these schools that I, I, and that's, that sucks for the administration to have to like, I don't know, you need to start kicking people out sooner. What? The administration has to stand up for somebody? Will they do that? I don't want to get you in trouble. You don't need to answer that. <laughs> no, we have good administration where I'm at, but. Uh, good job. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think you got to increase the pool of candidates. And if you're, if you're going to make 130 a night, uh, someone's more likely is going to stick it out. It's going to be more worth it, right? You know, to get your butt chewed. But we've had some really bad ones too in the past, and and you, so it's you want less of those guys. It's kind right. of it's it's kind of a perpetuating thing where you're going to lose officials because the fans are so bad, and sometimes the fans are so bad because the officials are bad, and so then. As it, then, if the fish chain continues to get worse, then you would expect that the fans are going to get worse, and it's just going to continue and continue. And we're in the downward spiral. Yeah, something like that. We should move on to a happier topic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're probably they're talking about this for how long? Yeah. Anyways, do you, do you have a happier topic? Uh, I guess one thing I thought was interesting is I listened to uh, the doc. Doc Talk, uh, Doc Talk podcast, and they had it's Travis Justice and um, uh, Rob Zedica. Yeah. Okay. And they had Nick Heinrich and Luke Reimer and Jared Lambrecht um, on there. And Jared Lambrecht's now the I don't know what his title is. I don't know if he's the president of this new NIL collective. Um, is that ABM? AB, yeah. yeah, ABM, I think. Yeah, and they asked him like some kind of personal questions, you know, about like how things are, are like the process and all that. And it sounds like Nebraska, you know, they're trying to get, you know, uh, their goal is that all the way down to the second and third string stringers are going to be making money somehow, and that's their goal. So, because what they don't want is, I'm guessing like this, like Casey Thompson coming in making five hundred thousand, 
and you know this I guess the first string running back not making anything, you know, or making fifteen hundred. And I'm sure that there will still be levels, you know. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. You know, it's it's not just gonna be, you know, oh like and they're like educating these kids too. Like they're a lot of them aren't really like spending a lot of it. They're just like they're talking about they're learning about economics, taxes, um, and like I think Luke Reimer said uh, that he's putting a lot of it into a into a Roth IRA and you know things like that. And they're like he said, well, we get like everything paid for. We get room, board, food. You know, we get all of our clothes for free, pretty much. It's like I really don't have to spend a lot of it. Really? So just, yeah. So, so it's Wait, like I thought they had to like. Don't they have to advertise something? Oh yes, yeah. They there's uh, I think where. What I heard is if they go to Husker Auto, I don't know. I always I always remember Marlon Lucky drove around in a Cadillac. I think it said it had Husker Auto on the back. And I always thought that was Husker Auto saying, hey, five-star running back, here's a vehicle. <laughs> we know, you know nothing. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's true or not. But, uh, you know, but I guess if they were to make an appearance like Husker Auto, they send a – a, a selfie they take a selfie and they send it and then that's their verification so no they made it sound like it's not like a pay for play thing i mean you actually have to go do things and sometimes it's, they go to uh um charities like they'll show up for a fundraiser at a charity and then they'll get paid you know and not by the charity i would suspect but you know from this pool of money pool and, of money yeah. Did they say where it comes from? Uh, yeah, they said businesses, and they didn't want to say booster. But they said businesses, and <laughs> you know, because I think you can't say booster if I think that's correct. But right, um, okay, if you said booster, and it'd be a, a booster shit. I don't know. God, all of this shit is. But so it, just, I think it just can't be an inducement to come here. A booster can't give money. So those Sean Mathis, they can't. The booster can't say, I'll give you 500 grand if you, if O'Shawn Mathis comes here. Now he's here. Now maybe then you can uh, get that 500 grand, I guess. I don't know. So did Luke Reimer, Reimer say how much he was getting paid? Nope. They, and they didn't ask that personal <laughs> question. And they said right. that it's not really a, a dis, even like a topic, like in the locker room, unless you're like room. Unless you're like talking to your roommates, you know, uh, I don't, I, I think that was my, my, my thing on the NIL is I think it's bad for college football, but and this is where I come down, but someone's getting paid and yeah. no matter what, someone's going to get paid and it might as well, these kids might as well, you know, make it be making something off of it. And so, I'm kind of like, you know, at least they're making their money, but I think it's probably bad for college football. Uh, but they did make one really good point. They said since only 1% of college football players make it to the NFL, you know, this is like your short window to make anything off of your, you know, right your, your time in college football. And I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I think you got to do it. But I think in the okay, end – Okay, let me ask you this. 
whether it's whether you have inside knowledge or it's pure speculation, nobody will know because you're not going to admit either way. Nebraska had one of the best classes of the transfer portal. Do you think that's because of Neil deals, or do you think that's just because uh, we're Nebraska and everybody loves us, or someone? <laughs> I think the funny thing is NIL might be our ticket out of the the barren wasteland it is the past seven years, right? It might be our ticket. Uh, I think NIL is a big reason why we got a lot of these transfers. And another reason is playing time, right? I mean, like when you're a team, I'm Casey Thompson, Adrian Martinez left. He's like, Oh, well, there's a starting job right there. You know, right. uh, O'Shawn Mathis and O'Shawn Mathis. He, I'm, I think that's an NIL thing. Uh, he could have gone to Texas and probably started for them too. Um, Stefan Wynn. Stefan Wynn. They that is, that's a play to me. That's a playing time thing. Yeah. Um, I guess his dad spent time in prison, I think. And so their family was really, really big on postgraduate opportunities that the school provides. And it said, I think he has two years left and he's been behind NFLers his entire career. And when we lose our top three D linemen, probably it's like, Hey, playing time, boom. Right. You know? And so, I don't know. That's kind of my thought. Anything else going on you can think of? Basketball. I don't know. Not really. I mean, you you, you know what? Uh, Last time I was on here was like two weeks ago. Greg asked me a basketball question. My answer ended up being, yeah, I have no clue. You know, like, <laughs> what the I hell? Said, yeah. It was about the, their new, uh, their new transfer from, uh, the guy from SMU. Yeah. I guess he was in, he had his name in the NFL draft process. I didn't realize that he averaged like 10 points a game, but I guess someone thought, Hey, maybe you should check it out. So maybe he'll be good, but. Um, I don't know. There's not really much else unless you, what's your view on NIL? hmm? (laughs) Well, I've given that, but I I think it's a good deal. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a little crazy right now, but I, I guess you go back to the past that I've said before the NCAA had years to figure this out. They knew the right, they saw the writing on the wall and all they did was litigate. And I think they looked at Mark Emmert and said, well, there's a scapegoat for us. We can blame everything on, you know, and they pay you, pay you millions of dollars a year, you hope, when you're a scapegoat. So they didn't care. So here we are with everything in, you know, nuts all over the place with no guidelines. Uh, so the NCAA is completely to blame for all that. But, I, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in Nebraska. I think it's going to require coaches that are very good managers to keep their locker rooms intact. And I think it's a good – I think that the idea that players get to own their own likeness and sell it, that that seems like the American dream to me. Mm-hmm. That seems like America, the home of the brave, land of the free that I love and want to support. Who could be against this? Communists, that's who, Nate – you know, I, I, I do want to go back. I, I'm not 
what I think of when I say NIL is bad for college football, I, I guess I should correct myself. I think the pay for play is bad for yeah. college football. Um, uh, Casey Thompson or Trey Palmer going and doing a commercial is not bad for college basketball, you know, getting paid that way. But, you know, with this uh, baseball pitcher – or sorry, this uh, North Carolina State – is he a catcher or led the country in home runs as a, as a freshman? You know, there we were talking about today that he's transferring now. And he's probably going – they thought Florida State or whatever, and they think he's going to make $800,000, maybe over a million. That's, that's different to me. And like I said, yeah. I want these kids – and I want these kids to get theirs – but that doesn't mean that it's good for the sport. And maybe that's okay. And that's fine. I would hope it'd straighten itself out a few years after like boosters or donors or businesses see that, you know, when they're making these investments, they really, are they, are they getting anything out of it or they just want to be involved or they have like spare money laying around? I mean, that's why okay. I, I'm sorry. they if I had Elon Musk money, I don't think I would donate a dime to get some 18-year-old kid to play in Nebraska. <laughs> I just I just don't – that's just my view, I guess. I don't know. I just – but there's there, – maybe people care more about the program than I do, you know? <sighs> so. I, if I had Elon Musk money, I certainly would. <laughs> you would? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Build rocket ships and fly to Mars? Yeah. Maybe we should pick somebody else, someone who's not the richest person in the world. Because, uh, yeah, at that point, what's a million here, million there? But uh, I can't. Well, my, wait, you know, my brother, my brother Jim in Texas, for many years, has sponsored uh, kids. Well, they are kids, you know, teenagers. Uh, in sprint car racing, dirt track racing. So, you know, that's because he loved it and he loved working with the people and he liked, you know, helping out families and teams that, you know, needed tires or needed an engine or something like that. And some kid that had some promise of possibly, you know, racing and getting into NASCAR, which is their goal typically because that's where the money is in that sport. There's only one other thing I can think of that's going on right now. And that is there is a gob of recruiting coming up in June. And this is a big problem. It's a big problem because Coronation right now doesn't have any recruiting writers. So we have no idea what's going on other than we've heard. This is the biggest recruiting class ever, potential, blah, blah. And we, we don't have anybody to recover it. So if you're listening to this and you want to be a recruiting writer for Coronation, send an email to me, John Johnston, Science Manager of Coronation. Coordination at gmail.com with, uh, you know, why you would want to do this. Uh, if you've any, done anything like this before and uh, I don't know, something like that. Just let me know. And, uh, and if you send an email to John and you don't hear from him for three months <laughs> and then you respond and then you don't hear from him for like two more months, just don't worry. He, he'll get to you at some point. I promise. <laughs> Is that what happened to you? Yes, and then I'm really I terrible. Sent, I sent you a, just... I sent you a writing 
uh, you, you asked for uh, a writing sample and I, I don't remember what I sent you, but, and then I didn't hear from you for like two months. I'm like, man, maybe that wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah. and, and so anyway so if anyone it's a low it, it's a good place to write i'd say i had to do all the background check on you yeah 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 <laughs> all right is it should we call it should we call it done where this is a long has it been 45 minutes ish it's a bit it's been close in there somewhere i mean it's it's not one of our marathon things that we did i think last week which is good because uh I'm old and tired. I have to go figure out what can exert 520 pounds of pressure, pounds of force. Hey, uh, quick, what what's your opinion of JJ Reddick? Do you know who that is? JJ Reddick? I should, but I it's not ringing a bell. All right. Well, he's he played college basketball at Duke. Anyways, I hated his guts uh, when he played because I hated Duke, and he was on. Uh, the Bustin' with the Boys, which is uh, Taylor Lewin. He, he played at Michigan. And then right. our own uh, Will Compton, Compton. Yeah. from – yeah. And they had a pretty good discussion about their experiences mental, mentally, you know, being college athletes. And I think sometimes, like Tara Lewin said – it's probably Luan or whatever. He said one time there's a, there a big game – Michigan and some other team, and uh, he didn't really care. He barely paid attention, even though he was playing, because he was worried that his girlfriend was going to break up with him. So, with that said, it, you know, maybe we should give some of our these players a pass because <laughs> their girlfriend might be breaking up with them, and that's well. They yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. They need to realize that I am living vicariously through them, and they need. <laughs> successful because i don't if they're not letting me have the greatest adventure ever then i'll be angry and yell at them maybe i should just go to a kid's game and get that out of my system you know what you would you would blend in perfectly with all the other parents i wouldn't be a parent though i just go hey you suck and then everyone would turn like who's that guy and they would (laughs) Then they would stop paying attention to the game and they just want to figure out who, who's this guy with long white hair. I just got out of prison. Do you know how much force it takes to crotch a human skull? I'm sure that'd go over well. Yeah, <clears throat> the police would probably get called. That's for sure. I just looked up how to murder somebody and get away with it before I came here. Okay, you know, we, should, we should yeah, go yeah. now yeah, before I yeah. bury any more things. How do we end this? Uh, uh, I, let's see. This is the Five Heart Podcast. Five hearts are all you need, or something like that. There Sorry, you go. <laughs> Five hearts are all you need. Go big red. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another round of this awesome, wonderful podcast. And maybe I'll have figured out how much force it takes to dent a human skull.